Hi, welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Chantel. And I'm Amy. And how are we all doing, folks? We're drinking. We are drinking. Okay, so um, it's winter and we have, I think we have some like updates and, and general housekeeping items that we usually leave to the end. But I think we're going to structure things a little bit differently today because we're talking today about where are you going, where have you been? which was recommended to us by another rom-com, which I have many feelings about that I'll get to later, and I'm sure Amy does too. Wait, you have not a lot of feelings about many another rom-com. No, about the story. Okay. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> are we going to be trash-talking somebody other than Glenn? Imagine. We're not ready for uh, that. Trash-talk someone other than Nuzzlehouse or words about books couldn't be us. We're getting way off track. So... <laughs> The reason that I think we should start with other stuff is because there's a very heavy content warning in this for sexual assault and implied murder. And it's a very large part of the story and everything the story is based off of. And it's unavoidable to talk about it. So I hope that you'll stay with us for our chatting at the beginning. But you're welcome to just dip out anytime. As always, like take care of yourself. You know what you're comfortable with today. So if you don't feel like this is something for you at the moment, take care of your own mental health and well-being. And we'll let you know when we're going to start talking about the story. But first, it's winter time and I thought we could do a nice little winter check-in. And also I wanted to say happy Hanukkah to everyone who's going to be celebrating that because this is going to be the last episode that we publish before Hanukkah starts. And finishes? No, the next podcast that we publish will be in the middle of Hanukkah. Okay, well, happy Hanukkah. So um, how's winter times going for you, Amy? Oh, you mean the big sad? The big sad, the big sad hits. The the depression, the anxiety, the panic attacks, the I'm in therapy, the big sad. We haven't referenced Reddit on Wiki on this podcast yet, but they have like a sound button that's just like get therapy. Yeah, I'm I'm doing it. It's just fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. Zero out of ten. Well, no, actually, like it's probably ten out of ten. It's just that right now I'm at the the weird slump where like you feel like do I really need therapy and that's when you go yeah you fucking do um because you have the big sad but that's also because it's dark at 3 p.m today I stood in the window and I looked at the sun while I was braiding my hair oh that's good it hurt but I got some vitamin. So if you have the big sad in the wintertime, I would recommend this app that my friend recommended to me, which is called Finch. And it's like, if you like Neopets and things of that <laughs> which sort and like Tamagotchis, if you're that kind of person like I am, then Finch is perfect because you feed your finch with like wellness activities for yourself. So you set yourself like some goals for the day. Like I set myself step outside of my house and make my bed and eat one healthy meal at least. <laughs> and then when you do that, you can tick it off in the app. You can lie, but like you have no motivation to do so. Oh, perfection. And then when you tick it off, your finch gets a little treat. They're like, I named mine courage. So it's like courage got a tasty banana and grew a little bit stronger and then once they eat enough they can go on an adventure and like bring you diamonds back and then you can use the diamonds to buy little like hats and stuff for them and little sweaters and it's very cute i just play pokemon go i quite like it i quite enjoy yeah. it 
I started it seems it fun. yesterday. Not a sponsor, um, that's for sure. No. no, it would be nice, but no. I am in a place that got an unusual amount of snow recently uh, Yeah. for the place that I live. And I don't want to dox myself, but let's just say that the place was not prepared for the amount of snow that it got. And I usually take an hour to get home from work. And I took four and a half hours to get home from work. And then you called me just as I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dialed you by accident while I was cleaning my phone. Okay. But yeah, I sat on a bus for two hours and it moved like four meters. And then I got off and walked. And the amount of time that I walked was the same amount of time as if I had just not gotten on the bus at all. <laughs> So that was fun. And then I shoveled a little bit and the side of my house comes out a little bit. So, and I'm pretty short. So like when I was bending down to shovel and then I stood up, I was at the perfect height to bonk my head on the side of the house and I got a little bump that hurt. And Ethan came out, my partner, because he heard from inside the house, ah, the thunk. thud. And the thud was me hitting the snow and he came out and I was just lying like flat on my back in the snow. So yeah, so that's my winter experience so far so we used to live in toronto we can say that i think yeah i think people know that if you've people listened to that. any other episodes and there's this thing where i'm from which i will not say the name of because i might be moving back there where we laugh at the city of toronto because one time it snowed and then they called in the army yeah so <laughs> my first response to you was okay but did they call in the army and you were like i've been on the bus for four and a half hours help <laughs> uh, which sucks. And now you've been injured. Yeah. That's bad. I'm sorry. It's tender. It's a tender little nub. Yikes. So that's our winter update. And now I think before we get into the story, I think Amy has another tip for our regular segment, Clean Language, which is a regular segment that we've always done and has not recently been added into the podcast and is only done very infrequently and is something that we've always done forever. And if you think that it hasn't, then you might must be imagining things, I'm sure. It's always been here. Sometimes it just doesn't get recorded. <laughs> so my clean language this week has to do with the winter. So my partner, fiance, Sam, bikes. He has a bike. Yes. And he keeps that bike outside because our apartment is 737 square feet and we are two people and a dog. And we were like, oh, we need to bring the bike inside for the winter. And like the day after we decided that we were going to go get a wall mount to put the bike on the wall, the bike's back tire got stolen. <gasps> no, the back tire? That's so random. Huh? So what happened is they didn't steal the front tire because it was chained through with the bike to the bike rack. Yeah, because like everyone chains that because that's the one that always gets stolen yes and they could have stolen the tool pouch they could have stolen the bike pump the pedals anything else but they stole the fucking back tire which like if they need to steal a back tire of a bike to have a meal let them fine but like i was annoyed who's buying a back tire besides other people who got their back tires stolen i just uh, no. answered my own question it's those people we have thieves in our neighborhood um just as a general thing but my clean language is a solution to that problem that would have fixed that you okay. chain you need a really long chain so you go to home depot okay <laughs> you chain the bike to the bike rack okay. and then to the front tire and then also oh. to the back tire okay and then all the way around okay i feel like we've lost the thread a little bit on what clean language actually entails <laughs> well clean language has to do with keeping house it's cleaning tips no well no not all the time sometimes <laughs> it's just house tips okay i can do what i want it's a segment that i made up recently this is my podcast and i do what i want on my podcast yeah so in order 
order to keep your bike in one piece, you need to chain it all together. And if they break the chain, then that's on them. But anyway, so now I have a bike uh, in my kitchen. You have half a bike in your kitchen. Yeah, I have half a bike in my kitchen. And every time I walk by it, I'm like, where's the other tire? <laughs> and then I emailed our landlord and I was like, hey, what are you going to do about this? Like, why don't we have security cameras? And they were like, do you want to pay $35 a month to store your bike in the shed? And I was like, false. Good. Can you just get security cameras instead, actually? So I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay $400 a year to store a bike. No, no. Like, I live in a basement apartment in someone's house and we have security. So I don't understand why you're like, we have an alarm system. We just don't have cameras. I'm annoyed. That is annoying. I'm sorry that happened. Thanks. But anyways, that's my clean language, which is really just house tips with Amy. And that was Amy's not clean language, unclean language, dirty language with Amy. I'm Franco-Ontarian. We're doing great. Um, So, okay. <laughs> so I think that's all our updates and chatting times that usually is at the end of the episode, but here we are. If you would like to dip out now because of the content warning that we mentioned earlier, now would be the time. We're adding this in after. There's also a content warning for domestic violence that comes up in our reading of the story. And we are going to start talking about the story, which is Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? by Joyce Carol Oates, recommended to us a little while ago by another rom-com podcast. And you should go check them out. They are very fun. And to be clear, we're not saying like, oh, we're a rom-com podcast and they're another <laughs> rom-com podcast. <laughs> And you don't get to know the name. Figure it out yourself. Yeah, their name is another rom-com. Yeah. Hey, what's up? It's editing Chantel. I realized I can't read or speak, which is a great thing because I have a book podcast. I meant every rom-com. So thank you, every rom-com for suggesting this story. Okay, so where are you going? Where have you been? Uh, wild short story. Was not prepared going into it. Uh, I believe my reaction was, what the actual fuck did I just audiobook? Yes, that is what you texted me last night, which was basically my reaction, like, at increasing volume, saying out loud to myself as I was listening to it, because I also... Uh, looked up the audio version on YouTube where someone stumbles over their words repeatedly and then doesn't oh, cut that part out. Yeah, I have I have the same person. Fab. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. that might be the only audio version that exists. Um, it was the only one that didn't seem like it also had like weird visuals I didn't want to see. Mm-hmm. So normally we start with a summary. So I'm going to do a summary and I'm going to summarize it. And that's what's happening. Cool. This story, I'm sure you'll be shocked, has some characters. So the characters are, we've got Connie, who is 15. She's like a teen who's not very confident in herself, but she acts like she is, I feel. So she's a teen? Yeah. She's 15 years old. Yeah. She's like coming into herself. Yeah. She oscillates between like being kind of insecure and acting very confident. So she starts off by saying she knows she's pretty. She loves looking in the mirror. She loves going out with her friends. She loves like painting her nails, tanning. You know the drill. Mm -hmm. Her sister is June. She's 24. She is more plain. She's a secretary at Connie's school. And she's like the golden child. She's like the Mary Sue, right? To the mom and aunts, I would say. She dresses nicely to go to family barbecues. She works really hard. She cleans up after the family she like contributes to the household she can do no wrong the mom connie sees her as, as like a nag she's like she used to be pretty so now she's jealous that i'm pretty and she's a boomer mom 
Yeah, she's just like, she's pretty standard. She like wears house slippers and Connie judges her for that. The dad is like a very boomer dad. He's like, doesn't contribute to the household labor, um, like comes home from work, sits down for dinner, eats dinner, goes to bed, doesn't really talk to anyone else. And then we've got Connie's friends who she goes out to like the mall with and they go to this restaurant drive-in combo that the older kids hang out at. And while she's at the restaurant drive-in combo, she goes off uh, to leave her friends to watch the movie and goes to the restaurant part with this guy and they have a nice little time. But on the way over there she sees this guy he's got like shaggy hair black clothes a painted gold car with weird numbers on it and he says i'm gonna get you baby which is like creepy i thought that was creepy super right away and she's like hmm that was weird and then like moves on with her life but then she's back home the next day and her family goes out to a barbecue she stays home because she thinks it's lame and she like does some self-care items and like tans for a little bit washes her hair lets it dry in the sun nothing like self-care like yelling getting melanoma self-care before people invented sunscreen and it's just like enjoying life listening to music having fun being alive and then she hears a car drive up and she's like that couldn't be my family back so soon and it's not it is the guy from last night the really creepy guy and his friend and his friend ellie so his friend ellie's driving and then the guy drives up his name is arnold friend Arnold friend and he's like I'm gonna be your friend honey so also can I interject Mm -hmm. the person who was reading this to us used a lot of voices and also I think cracked a pop in the middle of it (laughs) (laughs) and the voices she was using were kind of a bit much yeah I can see that she was like but it's also how I'm going to imagine those characters talk forever yeah but because you brought it up I needed to bring it up That you weren't making those voices out of nothing. Yeah, so he just starts acting really weird. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on. But basically, he like very slowly goes from talking about random stuff and like trying to act like he's just inviting her out for a drive to being like super creepy and threatening. So he's talking to her about the radio and he's talking to her about the numbers on his car, um, which are 33, 19 and 17, which I'll bring up again in like the references section of this but yeah did you also see the comment in the video no i didn't look at the comment that's where i got all my information oh okay i'm sure we'll get into that later and her internal monologue i'm very confused about it's like she at first is like not that creeped out by him it seems she's like commenting on like his muscles and his clothes and how he's kind of cute and then she's like acting annoyed but she's like but i'm just like acting you know but then she starts actually getting like really scared and she realizes like he's not actually my age like I'm 15 he looks like he's upwards of 30 and he's like lying about his age and saying he's 18 and he's very clearly not he just keeps trying like way too hard to get her into his car and he's like acting like he can see her family at the barbecue and like describing what they're doing and then kind of eroding her sense of safety in her own home he's like I won't come into your home you're gonna come out here and we're gonna go for a drive And then he's like, but 
you're my lover and then like describing how he's going to assault her and then she's like I'm gonna call the police he's like I said I wouldn't come inside but like that's null and void if you call the police then I'll come inside she's like well I'll lock the door he's like well I'll just cut a hole through the screen it's just a screen door I can break through it and then she's like well my dad's gonna come home and then he like threatens her family if they come home and she doesn't go with him so he's like really wearing her down and he wears her down to the point where she actually like fully gives up leaves her house gets in his car and drives away presumably to be like raped and murdered he's like where you've come from doesn't matter anymore where you're going doesn't exist anymore just get in the car and she does. So uh, yeah, I wasn't prepared for that going in. And I saw it described as a scary story after listening to it. And uh, yeah, I can see why because it is downright horrifying. Yeah, it's also the way that it's written, I think is adds to the like creepiness, like it builds on its own creepiness kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we've got three kind of parts of the background that seem like the three main influences of why this story is written the way that it's written. The first one has to do with the numbers written on the car and the title. So the numbers written on the car are 33, 19, 17. And some people think that's a reference to Bible verses because Judges 19, 17 in the Christian Bible is when he looked and saw the traveler in the city square, the old man asked, where are you going? Where did you come from? So that's like quite obviously the title's a reference to that, I would say. And that story, Judges in the Bible, very creepy. Do you know that story? Judges 19? No. Very creepy. I looked that up. Did not like it. Maybe definitely creepier than the story we even read. If you did not heed the content warning the first time but would like to now, here's another one. So the story, Judges 19 in the Bible, there's various things in it that I see echoed in the story we read today. So there's two guys traveling together and one of them's got a fiance and a concubine. Right, right, right. Okay. And he stays at his fiance's house and his father-in-law keeps like convincing him to stay there overnight. He's like kind of wearing him down like Arnold is in the story. They want to leave and they want to go back home. And he's like, refresh yourself with something to eat, then you can go. And they like eat and drink. And then he's like, please stay tonight and enjoy yourself. And then they stay there for the evening. And then he's like, and then they want to go. And then he's like, refresh yourself, wait till afternoon. So they like eat and they stay and then they want to go. And then he's like, now it's almost evening. So spend the night here. The day is nearly over. Stay and enjoy yourself. Early tomorrow morning, you can get up and be on your way home. And then they're like, okay, I feel like this is going to go on forever so we're just gonna go so they go and they stop in a city square Mm -hmm. in Gabia and they run into the old man who asks them where are you going where did you come from and they tell him they're like going on to another city the house of the lord and they're gonna stay in the town square for the night and they have like food and they have their donkeys and they have a young woman and a young man and they're like good they're all set and he's like you're welcome at my house I'm gonna supply you with whatever you need for the night and he like brings them to his house, feeds their donkeys. But then some wicked men come and surround the house and ask him to bring out the man who came to your house so we can sleep with him. And the guy's like, no, my friends, don't be so vile. This man is my guest. But here is my virgin daughter. And here is this man's concubine. The concubine, also his guest. No, I would consider yes. I'm just- Also his daughter- 
Yeah. Like, leave her alone. Leave, leave all the people alone. alone. How about you just go away? So these wicked men I also see as a parallel to Arnold because what they do is they take the concubine for the evening. They sexually assault her, like, for the night. And then in the morning, she, like, walks back to the house and falls at the doorstep. And she just lays there all night. And then in the morning, the man wakes up and, like, goes to her and he's like, get up, let's go. But she's already dead. So he, like, takes her body home and then like cuts up her body and sends the 12 parts to different areas of Israel. So I don't know what that was all about, but the Bible's forked, sorry. Yeah, no, the Bible's not, it's not a fun story. You don't read the Bible for like joy. You read the Bible for fear. They're didactic stories. They're there to teach you something. Um, They're not there to entertain. I don't even know what I was supposed to learn there. What was I supposed to learn? I don't know. There's probably a scholar who does, but I do not. Don't be a woman. So that was a lot of parallels with the story. And then the author, Joyce Carol Oates, she's also said that the story was inspired by three murders committed in Tucson, Arizona by Charles Schmidt. And everything up till now has been fictional but now we're gonna get into like some actual true crime stuff so just a warning of we're not that. a true crime podcast but i'm sure somebody has covered that somewhere yeah i'm sure there are very excellent sources that talk about this more in depth but basically charles schmid was called the pied piper of tuxen yeah. and if you're familiar with the pied piper story it's like a person who leads the children away from this town and drowns them the story that i think inspired this story within that whole situation is that Charles Schmid just seems like a very sadistic person. Like he had very sadistic tendencies and he had a lot of trauma in his life, which he channeled into like just becoming a murderer. So he had a girlfriend, Mary French, who he convinced to help him kidnap this high school girl because he wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone. And her name was Aline Rowe. And so they got her out into the desert and and they were going to sexually assault her. It doesn't sound like they actually did. And then they killed her. And while that was happening, his girlfriend was in the car listening to the radio, which is what Arnold Friend's friend Ellie is doing during the story. He's like waiting in the car, listening to the radio while Arnold is trying to convince this high school girl to come out and go for a drive with them into like, he admits that he's going to take her to a secluded place and assault her and implies that he's also going to kill her. And then and the third thing it's a reference to is Oates dedicated this story to Bob Dylan because she was inspired to write it after listening to his song, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, which I tried to read and kind of didn't really understand, but I'll read like parts of it to you because it's very strange. You must leave. Now take what you need. You think will last, but whatever you wish to keep, you better grab it fast. Yonder stands your orphan with his gun crying like a fire in the sun. Look out, baby. The saints are coming through and it's all over now, baby blue. The highway is for gamblers. Better use your sense. Take what you've gathered from coincidence. The empty-handed painter from your streets is drawing crazy patterns on your sheets. The sky too has fallen over you. It's all over now, baby blue. Leave your stepping stones behind. There's something that calls for you. Forget the debt you've left that will not follow you. Your lover, who has just walked through the door, has taken all his blankets from the floor. The carpet, too, is folded over you, and it's all over now, baby blue. Yep. We'll strike another match. 
Yeah, go start new because it's all over now, baby blue. So I think it's about someone who someone is convincing to just give up and then they get murdered, which is the story. Yeah. So yeah, those are the three kind of sources of inspiration, which are all really messed up, but the story is also really messed up. So that makes sense. And yeah, that's my research on it. And though you had a different take, I think. Yeah, I was going to throw all of that to the wind. Yeah, we firmly believe on this podcast that stories belong to their readers. And whatever you interpret from the story is a valid reading as long as you can back it up. So uh, hit us with your best shot, Amy. So I'm going to start by quoting a YouTube commenter, which is always how it starts the best. (laughs) So this person whose name I've cut out of the screenshot for reasons that are not any reasons. I'm going to go through it. So it's basically saying that this is a story about the devil. Hear me out. So they say Arnold Friend is Satan because if you take out the R's from both of his names, it says an old friend. Ooh, wouldn't it be an old fiend? Yes. Sorry, I'm dyslexic. Both the R's equal R and R, rock and roll. Okay. Arnold tries to be the rocker type. Connie has six letters. Arnold has six letters. June is the sixth month. The number on Arnold's card backwards is where are you going? Where do you come from? So the author must think Bob Dylan is Satan. Now I think the what? author is smarter than we think. I think Wait, okay. Let me You wanna unpack that first? Oh, so this person said something about the number backwards. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do the old calculator trick where yep. You look at the number, like, flipped over. So that yeah. looks like it says leggy. <laughs> I don't know if the, that that's was not, that was not a fruitful activity. No, it's fine. <laughs> but maybe if you add it all up together and you subtract some numbers from it, it ends up as a 6-2. Who knows? Leggy. <laughs> so Oates is a very prolific writer. She is a scholar. She used to be a Catholic. Now she's an atheist etc etc i think this is satire how so okay so it's dedicated to bob dylan music is a prominent theme within the story yes connie's parents are very much like the type of people who could easily be bible thumpers right who see music as the devil i mean they do really like that June dressed up in a little blue dress to go to a family barbecue. So I can see where you're coming from. Okay, so if we go with all this vein, the story, despite its very real and very traumatic sources, could be playing on the fact that people in that time thought that music would lead directly to the devil. And that's why Arnold Friend is such like a character. Like he's a bit like... The story's creepy, but it's also because he's kind of just like, are you even a real kind of thing? Yeah, no, he doesn't seem like he is a person. And like they're presenting June as being like this like hoity-toity, holier-than-thou kind of character, right? But she's not living life. Mm -hmm. So I think it's somewhat satirical of the fear that people had about music being a gateway to the devil. So actually, that is like a critical reading of it that critics have done that it's like an allegory for an encounter with the devil yeah but i think it's satirical in relation to like a critique of the modern youth's obsession with sexual themes and popular music but it makes sense that it would be a satire of that yeah if the author was like 
a cool person. Because honestly, like the satanic panic thing is a very uncool thing. Like it's something that you would kind of need to be satirical about to send any message about. Like, right, you have to make it look as stupid as it can be. <laughs> like, this is what you think is happening when your daughter listens to rock and roll. You think a guy's just going to drive up in a car. In a decked out weird car. And be like, I'm going to take you out and be your lover. Yeah. I can see that. That's my take. And that's a good take. I like that take. The other critical reading is it's been viewed as like an initiation into sexual adulthood and it's been seen as a dream sequence, which I like your theory better. Thanks. I'm a literary critic. Another thing that I think could contribute to possible ways to read the story is it was originally not named Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been? Yep. It was originally named Death and the Maiden. So I think Arnold Friend could be not only seen as an allegory for Satan, but alternatively as an allegory for death. Death of youth or death of person? Death of like an individual. Because what he does is he comes and he like convinces her that she has no other option. Like there's no mm -hmm. other end for her. He is the only end. She can't discuss it. Yeah. She tries. It's inevitable. She can't. Yeah. Um, hmm. Mine's more fun. Yours is more fun. Yeah. Mine is also more of a hot take that professors would be like, huh, that's a hot take. Feel free to plagiarize me if you need to. You'll come up with the Feel rest of your arguments. Feel free to plagiarize us all the time, please. <laughs> You'll um, come up with your own arguments, I'm sure, but I think it's a really good hot take. Or you can cite us. That could be fun, too. I think that would go over great. <laughs> Send us your papers. Source. Internet's least reliable <laughs> English Lit podcast. But I think it does make fun of the satanic panic because, like, people really did think that the devil was speaking to their children and going to take them away mm -hmm. because of rock and roll. And I think dedicating it to Bob Dylan makes it funnier. Yes, I believe that. Okay. That's very interesting. I like that take a lot. So... Um, my reading of it is much more sad and not as fun. You look um, really sad when you were doing the the summary. Yeah, because it's a sad story, actually. So, so my reading of it is that it's like an allegory for abuse. Mm. You know, like a like a domestic abuse situation. Yeah, like grooming. Because yeah, like grooming. Like he meets her. He is very nice to her at first, but also very possessive, but very like suave and tries to act very charming. And then as it progresses, he gets more and more possessive and like cuts her off from her sense of safety from her sense of family and then eventually like convinces her that she's like boxed into a corner and that the only inevitable end for her is to be with him which in this case will lead to her death and in the case of a lot of domestic abuse situations also does that yeah mine's more fun yours is very sad yours is much more fun i'm very sorry <laughs> about mine yeah i stand by it though i yeah. do think that that's what it is about to me. Yeah. I think we both approach it in very different mindsets as well. Like when I opened that, I chose violence. I was like, what the fuck are we reading today? You know? You like slam the story down onto the table. You're like, yeah. I put on my ear pods and I turned on the audiobook and I was like, the fuck are you going to tell me? And then it was you like the threw dishes. your Norton anthology across the room. You're like, let's do some critical analysis. Yeah. And then I took out my head punched up youtube like oh yeah we're gonna get a theory going i took out my headphones and i was like you want to know what the fuck i'm listening to right now to say take out your headphones like gonna make a thesis statement <laughs> essentially and i think you were in a much more like vulnerable less choosing violence kind yeah. of 
space. And it's it's a very fair reading as well. Like it's it's not a fun one, but it's a very fair one in the sense that, yeah, that's that is how it plays out. You know, yeah. like that's how domestic violence often plays out. And it's really sad. We have done this before, but we'll add in some resources for people who are in a domestic violence situation because it can feel like you're boxed into a corner. But or, I like your reading a lot better. Yeah. Or we can just continue on the satirical train of they're making fun of the satanic panic. And that's why the car looks so funny. The satanic panic is very silly. Like very the silly. satanic panic related to Dungeons and Dragons, I think is the silliest <laughs> because <laughs> literally Dungeons and Dragons people, all of the ones that I've met are like the biggest nerds who are just like, oh, I'm so excited to like make a story today. I'm describing my partner, but <laughs> I'm also describing two of our dear listeners who play Dungeons and Dragons with my partner. Yeah, it's also like <laughs> I've heard of people like not letting their kids read Harry Potter because of the witches. There are much better reasons not to let your children read Harry Potter. <laughs> 100%. Like the witches are the least of your fucking worries. Yeah. Um, but I guess if you have a problem with that, you probably have no problem with everything else. So that was a face. You guys didn't I see can't it. remember it right now. I'll look it up actually because I have a recommendation that I've heard lots of people say that is an author I already really like who is the author of Howl's Moving Castle who apparently wrote another book series about a wizarding school that's a lot better than Harry Potter and a lot more inclusive. Um, so I'm going to look that up and then I'll tell you what the recommendation is. But that's a better alternative than Harry Potter, which has a lot of weird allegories for like, sometimes it's okay to have slavery. And also like childhood abandonment being seen as a positive. And also like <sighs> post retconned allegories for like the AIDS crisis, but then also having characters that you've blocked into that same group of werewolves as like evil murderers. And also the whole Gringotts Jewish problem. Oh my God. Yes. The fact that the Star of David is on the floor of Gringotts Bank in the movies, I absolutely lost my bananas. That's fine. I would have lost my shit instead of my bananas. Yeah. <laughs> um, One second. So the author. No, I don't want the movie. The author is Diana Wynne Jones of the Good series about a wizarding school and the theory. The series. This when you want to say story and series at the same time. The, the theory. The story release is um, redacted. Redacted. That's an amazing question. No, what? Why don't they want to tell me? It's forbidden knowledge. <laughs> Have you read Howl's Moving Castle? I loved it. Have you read it? I've only seen the movie. Okay, so the difference between Howl's Moving Castle, the book, and Howl's Moving Castle, the movie, I think it would be faster for me to tell you the similarities, and the similarities is that they have the same title. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and the same characters and, like, the same Okay, setting. so they still have Cinder? Yeah. Okay, Cinder is my favorite. Basically everything except the setting characters and title is different okay and like it kind of has vaguely the same plot structure it's like someone read a synopsis of howl's moving castle the book and then made a movie from that which is fine mm -hmm. it's fine to have a movie and book that are very different things but i think you should go in knowing they're very different things i personally read the book first and was expecting the movie to be like the book and that's not a good way to enter that situation because i didn't like the movie at first and now i've recognized they're different things and i also like the movie a little bit but i still like the book better okay but yeah the book was one one of the magical books that I read on the bus on the way home from a magical place that I found where it was like a street with like a bookstore where I always found the perfect book. 
that was owned by a cat named Mabel and it was called Mabel's Fables and the cat lived at the bookstore and I love her so much. And then you walk, you get your perfect book and there's always the perfect book for you and it like reads in your mind. They're like, this is the perfect book for you. You're like, thank you. I will take this perfect book and I will ask no questions. And then you walk down the street and there's like a cat cafe and there's like a home decor store that I happen to go into that also had a cat. I'm like, does every building in here have a cat? I love cats so much. I lost my trade for that. But Howl's Moving Castle is really good. And I read it on the train home and I missed my stop and my mom had to like walk to the other stop where I had parked my car, get the car, drive to the train station and come get me because I was very engaged with the novel. And I think I read it in like two days and it was very excellent. Cool. You know, those books that you read and you're like, oh, this is so good. I just want to like drink the prose. Yes. Like this prose is so tea like and liquidy. I just want to slurp it up. Yes. And also the plot's very engaging and the characters are very well done. And I think I have found it. Good. (laughs) Have I found it? Perhaps, perchance. I think that the series that was recommended as an alternative to Harry Potter by Diana Wynne-Jones is the Crestomancy series. Or maybe the Magid series. But I think it's the Crestomancy series. (laughs) Por que no los dos? (laughs) Could be both. But yeah. I got very sidetracked there. That's okay. This is what happens when we drink wine and also record yeah, an episode. we really shouldn't. Why was that your idea to do? Well, because I have the big sad. I can't believe you thought of that and then made us do it and forced us and like came to my apartment and like poured me a glass of wine and then like forced it down my throat. I can't believe you did that. Buddy, you're four provinces away. <laughs> that ain't happening. The next time we're <laughs> drinking together is at my wedding. We're fresh. We're going to drink before that because I have the big sad. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, um, man, that was such a wild ride. We we started interesting yep. and we got real sad in the middle and then we got sad. fun again. Yeah. So yeah, if you enjoyed that, thank you for- Do we not have a, like a rating scale, Chantel? Oh, shit. <laughs> God we're drinking, we're dreaming, we're forgetting how to podcast. We've had one drink. <laughs> So, okay, so on a scale of 17 to 33, what would you rate the story? Okay, with your interpretation, like a zero. Um, oh, because it's too sad. It's too fucking sad. <laughs> um, it's too sad. It's too real. It's too depressing. I do not like. With my rating, like a 27. Okay, that's pretty high. My reading is mucho bueno. Hmm. I think I would rate it around the same. I think I would also rate it around a 27 because I really like the story after I got over how unprepared I was to handle it, you know? Mm. Like, I wasn't prepared. I was shook. And then I was like, actually, that was like a really good story that like sticks with you. Yeah. It's very haunting, I would say. It's like certain horror movies I've watched. Like Us. It's like the Us Mm. of short stories. That's fair. No, Bob Dylan's still alive. I did not know that. He's 81 years old. I really like when when articles like celebrate the life of an artist and are like, RIP, this is how old he would be today. And then they like comment. I don't like like John Carpenter. (laughs) I don't like when I see articles pop up on my like newsfeed from like the Heritage Minutes, People, Canada, whatever it's called, Historica, because I always think they're dead. So like they had one on like Celine Dion and I was like, is Celine Dion dead? No. What happened to Celine? It was literally just her birthday. And I was like, happy birthday, Celine. This is how old she'd be today. <laughs> and and then like, Celine Dion bro, comments. Merci. 
Incredible. Okay. Because <laughs> she's a francophone. Hilarious. <sighs> that one word is the best joke you've ever made on the podcast. I am a comedian. We're doing great. Thank you so much if you're still here. Thank you for listening. We truly appreciate every single one of you. Tag us in your Spotify rap. Yeah. If you have us in your Spotify wrapped and we're one of your top podcasts, we, we really love to see who is out there and who is listening and interact with you and just like hang out. It's all a good time. We have fun here. And if you are still keen on us after listening to all of that, we also really appreciate your five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podchaser. If you haven't subscribed, we would love if you did. And yeah, I think that's it for us. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. We hope to see you in two weeks. And as always, we're excited, unavailable, 